for so long, people like me didn't have the right to vote. It wasn't until recently, in terms of you know the grand scheme of things, that, that somebody with my last name could go to the polls. And so part of that tradition that has grown from that is we like to go to the polls on election day. Welcome to MCV Cast. That was Keaton Sunchild, the political director of Western Native Voice and a leading opponent of a push in Montana to end same-day voter registration in our state. I'm Aaron Murphy, here with the executive director of Montana Conservation Voters, Whitney Tani, and MCV's own political director, Jake Brown. Here are this week's background sounds from the Montana Outdoors. We'll disclose where we recorded them at the end of the show, and let's begin this week with what conservationists are calling the biggest day for climate action in more than a decade. Today uh, is Climate Day at the White House, and uh, which means that today is Jobs Day at the White House. We're talking about American innovation, American products, American labor. And we're talking about the health of our families and cleaner water, cleaner air, and uh, cleaner communities. We're talking about national security, America leading the world in a clean energy future. And with that, President Joe Biden this week signed a slew of executive orders to protect land and water, fight climate change, and create jobs. He signed them all just one week after re-entering the U.S. into the Paris Climate Agreement and nixing the controversial Keystone XL pipeline. This week, Biden ordered a moratorium on new oil and natural gas leases on federal public lands and offshore waters. He also committed to a 30 by 30 plan to conserve at least 30% of U.S. land and ocean by the year 2030. We call that 2020 vision for the future, as Biden tackles what he calls an existential threat and an opportunity to put countless Americans to work. This is a case where conscience and convenience cross paths, where dealing with this existential threat to the planet and increasing our economic growth and prosperity are one and the same. When I think of climate change, I think of, and the answers to it, I think of jobs. A key plank of our Build Back Better recovery plan is building a modern, resilient climate infrastructure and clean energy future that will create millions of good-paying union jobs. At MCV, we believe these actions are a giant leap in the right direction. They prioritize job creation by investing in infrastructure needed to fight the climate breakdown. They deliver environmental justice, and they put science and common sense back in the decision-making process. After four years of disastrous decisions from Washington, we desperately needed to take ambitious steps to protect our environment, our climate, and our public lands for all Americans, our kids, and future generations. Before the president even signed the orders, Senator Steve Daines announced he will introduce legislation to stop the Biden administration from prohibiting new drilling on federal lands. And it didn't take long for Senator Daines to retreat to his partisan corner, even going so far as to lie to the people of Montana, again, about the work of the Biden administration. Here he is on Fox News this past week. Well, I think it's all part of President Biden's Saudi Arabia first plan. Uh, It looks like he cares more about workers in Saudi Arabia than the workers in America. Yeah, that kind of rhetoric might be convenient for Senator Daines to raise money off of, like he did by claiming Democrats stole the election. But it's just not true. And to make matters worse, last week, Senator Daines claimed that a temporary pause on drilling on federal lands and stopping the KXL pipeline would threaten funding for the Land and Water Conservation Fund. That's just not true either. We sent a fact check on Senator Daines to correct the record, and here are those facts. 
The LWCF relies on offshore oil and gas revenues, but this week's executive orders only apply to new offshore oil and gas leases. The existing leases generate plenty of revenue. In fact, the Department of the Interior says after fully funding the Land and Water Conservation Fund this year at $900 million, there was still $3 billion left in the bank. Well, we will always fact check a U.S. senator who can't get his facts straight. And a story Thursday in the Billings Gazette notes that oil and gas producing in Montana has been sputtering, that's their word, for years. Revenue from all oil and gas leases on federal land in Montana was just over $21 million in 2019. Compare that to Wyoming, where revenue from leasing on federal lands was more than $640 million. Jake, Whitney, while we have a lot of news to celebrate this week, in Helena, some concerning news. We're closely tracking a few bills moving through the legislature that impact conservation and voting rights. Senate Bill 115 would require all state land acquisitions to be approved by the land board. This would insert politics into an already lengthy and intensive process for willing landowners trying to conserve wildlife habitat and expand public access through conservation easements. These easements also help protect family farms and ranches for future generations by allowing landowners to keep their farms and ranches in their families rather than selling them off to developers. This week, legislators heard two bills in the Senate that would set back the election process here in Montana. Senate Bill 92 would require election administrators to be elected as partisan office holders. Right now, local election administrators are county employees overseen by elected county commissioners. But sponsor Gordy Vance, a Republican from Belgrade, doesn't see it that way. Elections are important enough that the folks that run them should be held accountable to the people that vote. Pure and simple. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Unfortunately, Secretary of State Christy Jacobson's new elections director testified in support of Senate Bill 92. But it drew lots of opponents, including county sheriffs, commissioners, election administrators, and even the Montana Association of Clerks and Recorders. The Montana Association of Counties, or MACO, which represents all 56 counties in the state, is against it too. Here's MACO's Chantel Saparis who says this bill takes away local control of elections. As we all know, every county in Montana is unique in many ways, geographically, structurally, population-wise, and flexibility is required for each county to govern effectively and efficiently. This plasticity is needed locally because counties in our very large and vast state are not cookie-cutter, so stiff sideboards simply don't work. Senate Bill 93 also got a hearing this week. Senator Gordy Vance introduced this bill as well. It says election judges shall permit one poll watcher from each political party to be stationed close to the poll list as voters drop off ballots. The Montana Secretary of State's office, as well as the state's Association of Clerks and Recorders, support this bill. Nobody testified against it during Monday's hearing. Thanks, Jake. And the Montana legislature is considering a game-changing bill which aims to end same-day voter registration in Montana. Current law allows any qualified citizen to register to vote up until polls close on Election Day. House Bill 176 throws a wrench in those gears of democracy. And one of its staunchest opponents is this week's guest.
Keaton Sunchild is the political director for Western Native Voice, an advocacy and civic engagement organization that represents Montana's indigenous communities. Keaton is a political activist, a former candidate, and a community organizer, and he joins us from Helena. Keaton, thanks for being on MCVCast. Thanks, Aaron, for having me. You bet. We've got an important bill to talk about today, and we appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to talk about it. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself, starting with your first run at public office as a high schooler. Yeah, yeah. Seems like a lifetime ago. In 2018, I was a high school senior and announced I was running to represent the fine folks of House District 20 in Great Falls, which is where I am from. Um, so I did that as a, as a senior in high school. My AP government teacher was my fantastic campaign manager. Uh, learned a lot through uh, that second half of my senior year of high school and the first half of my freshman year of college. Um, didn't end up winning that race, but ended up propelling me to what I think are bigger and better things that has eventually led me here to my current role with Western Native Voice, which is something I've always dreamed of doing is helping all the people that kind of helped me get to where I am today. And I couldn't imagine uh, anything better to do than be down here in Helena advocating for these people every day. So what's the most important part of your work uh, at, at Western Native Voice now, especially as so many of us in the progressive community try to swim upstream with the legislature in Helena? Yeah, I think you said it about as well as anybody could as we were really fighting an uphill battle down here. Um, seems like every day there's a new attack on health care, tribal sovereignty, uh, voting rights, you name it. Uh, we seem to be having to fight off different attacks on it. But I think that the most important part of, of my day each day is listening to the people that we represent. You know, we have a vast number of members ranging from, you know, people younger than me to people triple my age. And I think just trying to best convey their voice um, as a collective group of Native Americans here in Montana and making sure that we have a seat at the table in all these important conversations because a lot of these people can't either physically be here due to health reasons with, with the ongoing pandemic. Um, maybe they have some other pre-existing condition that would you know, keep them at, uh, at home anyway, or you know, just logistics. It's just so far, Helena's a long ways away from a lot of our reservation communities. And it's hard for people in rural areas in Montana to always be uh, connected via the internet to uh, chime in via Zoom. So that's kind of my job is to make sure that their voices are still heard and that we still have a seat at the table and we're not kind of shoved out the door, um, so to say. Yeah. And last week you, you were at the table. You testified in opposition to House Bill 176. Its sponsor is Republican Representative Sharon Grief of Florence. What exactly does it do, first of all? Yeah. So House Bill 176 would end voter registration the last Friday before Election Day at 5 p.m. So currently Montana is one of a handful of states that allows for same-day voter registration, which in our opinion as an organization is one of the hallmarks of, of our democracy here in Montana. And uh, Representative Grief's bill would effectively end that uh, the Friday before and take out uh, crucial days for, for Montanans of, of every walk of life to get registered to vote. So supporters like Representative Grief uh, and, and many others say ending voter registration well before Election Day would end long lines and ease the work of poll workers on election night. Uh, you don't buy that. Why Why not? Well, I think that we saw this past election in 2020 that we saw record turnout in almost all of our 56 counties here in Montana, and we still know knew who won on election night. 
Um, you know, I went to bed. It was a little later into the night, but I went to bed on election night knowing who had won all of our state races um, for the most part. I know that there were a few local races that were a little closer, but I don't think that ending uh, voter registration that Friday before would have done anything to change you know, when we knew the outcomes of these races. I just don't think that that's a valid argument uh, to make in terms of potentially you know, ostracizing a significant amount of people from having their voice heard in our Montana elections. Right. And tell us about the, the importance of same-day voter registration, especially for the tens of thousands of indigenous people who call Montana home. Why is it so important? Well, I think what a lot of people don't know, Aaron, is part of the tradition when it comes to voting in Native communities and specifically reservations is for so long, people like me didn't have the right to vote. It wasn't until recently in terms of, you know, the grand scheme of things that that somebody with my last name could go to the polls. And so part of that tradition that has grown from that is we like to go to the polls on election day. And if you're a first-time voter, you know, you're somebody that just turned 18 or maybe you just moved back to Montana from, from college or whatever your story is, you might have to register to vote. Um, and so I don't think that, you know, we should shut that off as an option just simply because, you know, somebody's afraid of, you know, higher voter turnout or whatever whatever the bottom line is of the, of the point of the bill. Um, you know, these are traditions that have been in place on reservations and in Native communities, not just in Montana, but across the country since, you know, we, we got the right to vote, you know, a few decades ago. And so I don't think that, you know, this bill supports the Native way of life, and I think it's kind of leaving them out. And they weren't even, you know, groups like ours or any of the tribes weren't even involved in discussions when this bill was being drafted. And I think that's, you know, negligent on on the sponsor's part of things to kind of leave out such a large chunk of Montana's population. Have you been in touch directly with uh, with Representative Grief or other supporters of this bill in the legislature? What are they telling you? You touched on it earlier that their their argument is it would make it easier on on poll workers, on county election workers, you know, to get their job, different parts of their job done uh, sooner, more efficiently. And so ultimately, you know, what happens on election day can get done earlier and, and Montana can know the results of their elections faster. But, you know, with the way the, the system is set up now, I, I don't think that, you know, there's really, if it's not broken, don't fix it. You know, we haven't had a problem with safe and fair elections in Montana any time since, you know, we made this shift a little over 10 years ago. And as far as what, what Representative Grief and, and other supporters of the bill are saying, you know, that their argument lies in you know, this is this is going to be better for safer elections. But there hasn't been any evidence to come out that says our elections aren't already safe and aren't already fair. Yeah. Um, in addition to public testimony, what are you and Western Native Voice doing to register opposition to this bill, especially given news that our new Secretary of State, Christy Jacobson, has come out in support of it? And, and what can folks do if they share the frustration? What can they do to help? Certainly, I think that's a great question. I tell people who you know reach out to me uh, about how they can help that no matter you know who you voted for in 2020, um, these people that work in Helena they work for us. Um, they work to represent us and, and do what's best for the state. And so ultimately, when we call and we reach out uh, via email or you know however you can get in touch with these people, that, you know they have a duty to listen and. I don't want people to feel intimidated simply because they're elected officials. Um, sometimes we tend to shrink down when when the spotlight 
you know, is, is turned on us. And I don't want people to feel like, you know, their voice doesn't matter simply because they weren't elected to do a job. So I would encourage everyone to reach out to, you know, representative grief, even if, even if that's not your representative, you can, you still have a say in how your government works. This isn't something that'll just affect the constituents of representative Greece district. This will affect all of Montana. The more people that we can call and, you know, say that this is a bad bill, this isn't a necessary bill, this bill wouldn't do anything to strengthen our elections. I think, you know, the more we can, we can apply some public pressure that this isn't what Montana wants. You know, we saw a couple of years ago uh, with a legislative referendum that, you know, the people of Montana overwhelmingly rejected this idea already. So as somebody who has the experience of being a, a political candidate for office before, and, and I want to acknowledge that there's a lot of fight to go on this this bill, but just projecting into the future, should it become law, what kind of impact would that have on organizations like yours, people like you who are fighting with everything you got to make sure you, you get every vote you can? Uh, I'll speak to the candidate side of things first. And about the last 10, 15 days before election day, you are just encouraging people to get registered to vote and get, you know, get their ballots mailed back in with the absentee system here in Montana. That's what you're going for. And so that would kind of change. You know, you're, you would probably spend that last weekend then instead of encouraging people to get registered to vote, you're just encouraging people to vote. Um, and so I think that changes how some candidates will end their campaigns and end their GOTV strategies. So that's kind of the political candidate, political campaign side of things. I think as far as somebody in my position now as a political director of an organization, you know, we were still having people register to vote, gosh, I'd say until 8.45, 9 o'clock on election night. Um, you know, which was close to an hour after polls closed at eight o'clock. But we just had so much enthusiasm, you know, to vote for everybody up and down the ticket that there just simply wasn't enough time to get everybody in by eight. And I know that there were a handful of first time voters on reservations as well that were in line well past eight o'clock. And that's the only time they could fit it into their schedules or, you know, some of them you know, their, their employer gave them election day off. And so that was the only time they could go without having to, you know, miss work because it's such a long drive to get to the county elections office. So it just, a bill like this completely changes how you work, both as a candidate, as an organization, um, no matter, you know, how you're involved in the process, you always, you build with the idea that election day is the end day. And now all of a sudden, that last weekend, you know who your pool of voters is, and while on the surface that might seem like it's easier, it actually isn't because you want as many voices involved. You want as representative of a vote as you can get. And you don't get that by turning that option to register to vote on election day off. Um, and it just kind of makes things a little bit more difficult to do. My final question here is uh, you, you say your work is important to give a voice to your generation and, and you're a young man. It's no secret that there's a lot of voter apathy and indifference among many folks in, in your generation, Keaton. So what are you doing to change that? Yeah, that was kind of what I had to fight in the beginning a lot when I first announced I was running is that people didn't really take us seriously, my, us meaning my generation seriously, still struggle with that a little bit. Um, I know that when I first took on this role um, at the beginning of September, it I personally had to kind of fight through some imposter syndrome that I was dealing with simply because I was so young and on meetings with people who, 
you know, we're double my age, if not more. But, you know, I think that we've proven, even here in, in our legislature, there's two people younger than me who are representing uh, districts. And I know uh, specifically talking about Representative um, Stromswald from Billings, um, you know, I've talked to her a couple of times and, you know, she had to go through the same thing. It's starting to change. Um, you know, I think we're finally, as a society, getting to the mindset, well, maybe let's let have, let's have these guys have a turn um, and see if they can come up with something better. Okay. Well, I appreciate your time. Keaton Sunchild, he's the political director of Western Native Voice, an activist, organizer, and community leader. Keaton, thanks for joining us, and we look forward to watching your work into the future. Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate it a lot. views of our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of MCV, its staff, or its board of directors. We should also note that MCV joins the many other voting rights organizations in the state in opposing House Bill 176. Do you oppose ending same-day voting registration? If you're a Montanan and want to register an opinion, we invite you to contact your state reps in the legislature. In fact, the Montana Conservation Voters Education Fund recently released a tip sheet for how to contact your legislators, especially during the COVID-19 pandemic. It's on our new accountability website, montanapushback.org. Murph, there's a lot of other troubling bills making their way through the legislature these days. For conservation, another one we're tracking is Senate Bill 98 by Republican Senator Butch Gillespie. It would allow Montanans to kill grizzly bears that are attacking, killing, or threatening to kill a person or livestock. We see this bill as a red herring. It is already legal to kill a bear threatening the life of a person. Opponents also argue that grizzlies probably won't ever be removed from the Endangered Species Act with a law like Senate Bill 98 on the books. Speaking of grizzlies, wildlife officials in Wyoming confirmed they found the oldest known grizzly bear in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem. Bear 168 was 34 years old when he was captured last summer and had only a few teeth left. Bear 168 also weighed in at only 170 pounds, only about a third of his primetime fighting weight of 450 pounds. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service said it had euthanized Bear 168 due to his poor health because it was the only ethical thing they could do. That does it for this week on MCV Cast. The ambient sounds in the background were recorded on the Billings Rims, where birds started chirping after the January fog melted away. And we'll leave you today with comments from former presidential candidate Pete Buttigieg, now on track to become the nation's next Secretary of Transportation. This week, NPR's Elsa Chang asked Mayor Pete about how to turn executive orders into lasting policy, and we think his answer is right on the money. We'll be back next week. Well, we're going to make every effort to have legislative action, too. We need uh, all of the levers uh, working in the same direction. I think the most important thing we have to do is put an end to the false construct that says that this is about climate versus jobs. Look, climate policy is jobs policy. And the reality is the only way to have a sustainable growing economy is to grow jobs in a way that helps not hurts our climate goals. (laughs) 